Chapter Ten of Bransford of Rainbow Range by Eugene Manlove Rhodes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: The Alibi. And all love's clanging trumpets shocked and blew. The executioner's argument was that you couldn't cut off a head unless there was a body to cut it off from that he had never had to do such a thing before and he wasn't going to begin at his time of life alice in wonderland the justice of the peace when the county court was not in session held hearings in the courtroom proper which occupied the entire second story of the county courthouse the room was crowded it was a new courthouse there are people impatient to try even a new hearse and this bad fare to be arcadia's first cause celebre jeff sat in the prisoner's stall a target for boring eyes he was conscious of an undesirable situation exactly how tight a place it was he had no means of knowing until he should have heard the evidence the room was plainly hostile black looks were cast upon him deputy phillips as he entered arm in arm with the sometime devil gave the prisoner an intent but non-committal look which jeff rightly interpreted as assurance of a friend in ambush he felt unaccountably sure of the devil's fraternal aid monte lolling behind the rail of the witness-box smiled across at him still he would have felt better for another friendly face or two he thought save john wesley pringles jeff looked from the open window cottonwoods well watered gave swiftest growth of any trees and are therefore the dominant feature of new communities in dry lands the courthouse yard was crowded with them jeff from the window could see nothing but their green plumes and his thoughts ran naturally upon gardens or to be more accurate upon a garden would she lose faith in him had she heard yet would he be able to clear himself no mere acquittal would do because of eleanor there must be no question no verdict of not proven she would go east to-morrow perhaps she would not hear of his arrest at all he hoped not the bank robbery the murder yes she would hear of them perhaps but why need she hear his name hers was a world so different he fell into a muse at this deputy phillips passed and stood close to him looking down from the window his back was to jeff but under cover of the confused hum of many voices he spake low from the corner of his mouth play your hand close to your bosom old-timer wait for the draw and watch the dealer he strolled over to the other side of the judicial bench whence he came this vulgar speech betrayed jimmy as one given to evil courses but to jeff that muttered warning was welcome as thunder of blucher's squadrons to british squares at waterloo down the aisle came a procession consciously important the prosecuting attorney the bank's lawyer who was to assist for the people and lake himself as they passed the gate jeff smiled his sweetest hello wally lake's name was stephen walter wally made no verbal response but his undershot jaw did the steel trap act and there was a triumphant glitter in his eye he turned his broad back pointedly and jeff smiled again the justice took his seat on the raised dais intervening between jeff and the sheriff's desk court was opened the usual tedious preliminaries followed 
jeff waived a jury trial refused a lawyer and announced that he would call no witnesses at present in an impressive stillness the prosecutor rose for his opening statement condensed it recounted the history of the crime so far as known fixed the time by the watchman's statement to be confirmed he said by another witness the telephone girl on duty at that hour who had heard the explosion and the ensuing gunshot touched upon that watchman's faithful service and his present desperate condition he told of the late finding of the injured man the meeting in the bank the sum taken by the robber and the discovery in the bank of the rubber nose-piece which he submitted as exhibit a he cited the witnesses by whom he would prove each statement and laid special stress upon the fact that the witness clark would testify that the nose-piece had been found upon the shattered fragments of the safe door conclusive proof that it had been dropped after the crime and he then held forth at some length upon the hand of providence as manifested in the unconscious self-betrayal which had frustrated and brought to naught the prisoner's fiendish designs on the whole he spoke well of providence now jeff had not once thought of the discarded nose-guard since he first found it in his way he began to see how tightly the net was drawn around him there was a serpent in the garden he reflected a word from miss hoffman would set him free if she gave that word at once it would be unpleasant for her but if she gave it later as a last resort it would be more than unpleasant and in that same hurried moment jeff knew that he would not call upon her for that word all his crowded life he had kept the happy knack of falling on his feet the stars that fought in their courses against Cicera had ever fought for reckless Bransford. He decided, with lovable folly, to trust to chance, to his wits, and to his friends. And now, Your Honor, we come to the unbreakable chain of evidence which fatally links the prisoner at the bar to this crime. We will prove that the prisoner was not invited to the masquerade ball given last night by Mr. Lake, we will prove uh, there was a stir in the courtroom the prosecutor paused disconcerted eyes were turned to the double door at the back of the courtroom in the entry at the head of the stairs huddled a group of shrinking girls before them one foot upon the threshold stood eleanor hoffman she shook off a detaining hand and stepped into the room head erect proud pale across the sea of curious faces her eyes met the prisoners of all the courtroom billy and deputy phillips alone turned then to watch jeff's face they saw an almost imperceptible shake of his head a finger on lip a reassuring gesture saw too the quick pulse beat at his throat the colour flooded back to eleanor's face men nearest the door were swift to bring chairs the prosecutor resumed his interrupted speech his voice was deep hard vibrant your honour the counts against this man are fairly damning we will prove that he was shaved in a barber shop in arcadia at ten o'clock last night that he then rode a roan horse that the horse was then sweating profusely that this horse was afterward found at the house of oh but we will take that up later we will prove by many witnesses that among the masqueraders was a man wearing a football suit wearing a nose-piece similar entirely similar to the one found in the bank which now lies before you 
we will prove that this football player was not seen in the ballroom after the hour of eleven p m we will prove that when he was next seen without the ballroom it was not until sufficient time had elapsed for him to have committed this awful crime eleanor half rose from her seat again jeff flashed a warning at her we will prove this your honour by a most unwilling witness rosalio marquez monte smiled across at jeff a friend of the prisoner who in his behalf has not scrupled to defy the majesty of the law we can prove by this witness this reluctant witness that when he returned to his home shortly after midnight he found there the prisoner's horse which had not been there when mr marquez left the house some four hours previously and that at some time subsequent to twelve o'clock the witness marquez was awakened by the entrance of the prisoner at the bar clad in a football suit but wearing no nosepiece with it and we have the evidence of the sheriff's posse that they found in the home of the witness rosalio marquez the football suit which we offer as exhibit b nay more the prisoner did not deny and indeed admitted that this uniform was his but mark this the searching party found no nosepiece there it is true your honour that the stolen money was not found upon the prisoner it is true that the prisoner made no use of the opportunity to escape offered him by his lawless and disreputable friend rosalio marquez a common gambler doubtless your honour his cunning had devised some diabolical plan upon which he relied to absolve himself from suspicion and now trembling he has for the first time learned of the fatal flaw in his concocted defence which he had so fondly deemed invincible all eyes including the orators here turned upon the prisoner to find him so far from trembling quite otherwise engaged the prisoner's elbow was upon the rail his chin in his hand he regarded mr lake attentively with cheerful amusement and a quizzical smile which in some way subtly carried an expression of mockery and malicious triumph to this fixed and disconcerting regard mr lake opposed an iron front but the effort required was apparent to all there was an uneasy rustling through the court the prisoner's bearing was convincing natural this was no mere brazen assuming the banker's forced composure was not natural he should have been an angry banker of the two men lake was the less at ease the prisoner's face turned at last towards the door blank unrecognition was in his eyes as they swept past eleanor but he shook his head once more very slightly there was a sense of mystery in the air a buzz and burr of whispers a rustle of moving feet the audience noticeably relaxed its implacable attitude toward the accused eyed him with a different interest seemed to feel for the first time that after all he was accused merely and that his defence had not yet been heard the prosecutor felt this subtle change it lamed his periods it is true your honour that uh, no eye save god saw this guilty man do this deed but the web of circumstantial evidence is so closely drawn so far-reaching so unanswerable so damning that no defence can avail him except the improbable the impossible establishment of an alibi so complete 
so convincing as to satisfy even his bitterest enemy we will ask you your honour when you have seen how fully the evidence bears out our every contention to commit the prisoner without bail to answer the charge of robbery and attempted murder then by the door jeff saw the girl start up she swept down the aisle radiant brave unfearing resolute all half gods gone she shone at him proud glowing triumphant a hush fell upon the thrilled room jeff was on his feet his hand held out to stay her his eyes spoke to hers she stopped as at a command scarcely slower billy was at her side wait wait he whispered see what he has to say there will be always time for that jeff's eyes held hers she sank into an offered chair cheated disappointed the court took breath again their dramatic moment had been nothing but their own nerves their own excited imaginations had attached a pulse-fluttering significance to the flushed cheeks of a prying girl seeking a better place to see and hear to gratify her morbid curiosity jeff turned to the bench your honour i have a perfectly good line of defence and i trust no friend of mine will undertake to change it i will keep you but a minute he said colloquially i will not waste your time combating the ingenious theory which the prosecution has built up or in cross-examination of their witnesses who i feel sure here he bowed to the cloud of witnesses will testify only to the truth i quite agree with my learned friend another graceful bow that the case he has so ably presented is so strong that it can successfully be rebutted only by an alibi so clear and so incontestable as my learned friend has so aptly phrased it as to convince if not satisfy my bitterest enemy the bow the subtle icy intonation edged the words the courtroom thrilled again at the unspoken thought an enemy hath done this thing if in the stillness the prisoner had quoted the words aloud in fierce denunciation the effect could not have been different or more startling and that your honour is precisely what i propose to do his honour was puzzled he was a good judge of men and the prisoner's face was not a bad face but he objected you have refused to call any witnesses for the defence your unsupported word will count for nothing you cannot prove an alibi alone can't i said jeff watch me with a single motion he was through the open window bending branches of the nearest cottonwood broke his fall the other trees hid his flight behind him rose uproar tumult and hullabaloo a mass of struggling men at cross purposes gun in hand the sheriff stumbling over someone's foot montes ran to the window but the faithful deputy was before him blocking the way firing with loving care at one particular tree trunk he was a good shot jimmy he afterward showed with pride where each ball had struck in a scant six-inch space vainly the sheriff tried to force his way through there was but one stairway and it was jammed before the foremost pursuer had reached the open jeff had borrowed one of the saddled horses hitched at the rack and was away to the hills as billy struggled through the press searching for eleanor he found himself at jimmy's elbow 
a dead game sport any turn in the road agreed billy the deputy nodded curtly but his answer was inconsequent rather in the brunette line that bit of tangible evidence End of chapter 10